What's happening, food eaters? Hopefully you've been eating healthy in the last several months to fend off any lethal viruses. This is the Food Labels Revealed podcast with your host, Mel Weinstein, personally dubbed the self-professed prophet of processed foods. A new episode is released at the end of every month. This is episode number 52. For those new to the podcast, here's a wee bit about myself. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food analysis, and chemical research. And for many years, I've had a fascination, some may call it an obsession, with the processed foods we eat, what constitutes those foods, and what they could be doing to our health. To my knowledge, this is the only podcast that is dedicated to looking behind the processed food curtain at all of those strange and unusual ingredients that populate many of the foods on our grocery store shelves and on the menus of the restaurants we frequent. This is a 100% guaranteed free podcast. It won't cost you a cent, and I won't beg for money. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and I refuse to help promote any business, commercial product, or organization. All I ask of you is to listen, and if you are informed, educated, or entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. Website and contact information will be provided at the end of the show. For today's program, I've decided to wax nostalgic and go back to the early days when I explored individual food products on grocery store shelves and looked at all the ingredients and some of the nutritional aspects. Over 10 years ago, I read a book with a long title called, quote, Twinkie Deconstructed, My Journey to Discover How the Ingredients Found in Processed Foods Are Grown, Mined, and Manipulated into What America Eats, end quote, by Steve Etlinger. You see, in my junk food heyday, I loved Twinkies. That was my go-to snack food during the unconscious years. It's difficult to admit that now, but there were times when I would go to a local bakery outlet store that sold Twinkies for a dime or a quarter a pack. I'd buy a dozen uh, to gorge on later in the day, and invariably, by the next day, I would be sick as a dog with my GI tract going bonkers. Of course, six months later, or maybe even earlier, I would have forgotten that unpleasant experience and then repeated it all over again. There was just something heavenly about that vanilla sponge cake with the hidden cream filling. Back then, little did I know or care what I was eating. Hey, before you judge me, at least I didn't eat the deep-fried Twinkies. In Etlinger's book, I was fascinated how he took the Twinkie apart, identified every ingredient, and traced its source and method of production. For today's show, I want to try something similar, although in a shortened form. One of my favorite processed food books is, again a long title, quote, The Dorito Effect, The Surprising New Truth About Food and Flavor, end quote, by Mark Schatzker. No, this is not a whole book about Doritos and their ingredients, but the author uses Dorito tortilla chips as a prime example of how a very bland food, like a corn tortilla, can be turned into a flavor powerhouse strong enough to create food cravings and food addictions. 
I used to love Dorito chips as well, but today I buy corn tostadas that have three ingredients, white corn flour, salt, and calcium hydroxide. That's for making the masa. I break them apart into chips and then add my own seasonings. Not only do I save money, but I also spare my body a host of industrial ingredients, some of which ain't doing a body any good. As you can guess by now, I'm going to do a deep dive into a Doritos product, namely Flamin' Hot Nacho Chips. First, as usual, let's take a short historical tour. Doritos are made by the Frito-Lay Company, which traces its roots to 1932, when a businessman from San Antonio, Texas, named Charles Elmer Doolin, bought a corn chip recipe, a potato ricer machine, and 19 retail accounts from a corn chip manufacturer, all for only $100, which he borrowed from his mother. Then in her kitchen, he started the Frito Company with his first product called Fritos. By 1933, he established production lines in Houston and Dallas. The company went public in 1954. Doolin died in 1959, and by that time, the Frito Company had grown into a business employing over 3,000 people. Today, we know the company as Frito-Lay, because in 1961, Frito Company merged its enterprise with the H.W. Lay & Company, founded by Herman Lay in 1932, a manufacturer of potato chips. The two companies had had cooperative sales agreements since 1945, so it was a natural fit. The four main brands at the time of the merger were Fritos Corn Chips, Lay's Potato Chips, Cheetos, and Ruffles. Not long after, in 1965, another merger took place between Pepsi-Cola and Frito-Lay, and the new company was called PepsiCo Incorporated. The interest in chips by the Pepsi company was fueled by the idea of combining salty snacks with products that satisfied thirst. However, the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, did not approve that plan, citing unfair trade practices, and in 1968 ruled that the PepsiCo company could not create marketing ties between Pepsi and salty snacks. Also, PepsiCo was barred from purchasing any snack or soft drink maker for 10 years. So, when did Doritos arrive on the scene? In the early 1960s, a restaurant at Disneyland cut up surplus tortillas, fried them, and then added seasoning to produce tasty chips. The vice president of Frito-Lay at the time, Arch West, recognized the popularity of the snack and made a deal with Alex Foods, the provider of the restaurant's foods. West wanted to produce the chips for regional sales. He named them Doritos, meaning little pieces of gold. Sales weren't great until West realized that the chips should taste like tacos uh, to live up to their Mexican name. By 1966, Frito-Lay was selling Doritos nationally. By 2015, 14 flavors of Doritos had been developed. The first Doritos product listed just 11 ingredients. I will be examining a Doritos variety that has 41 ingredients. What the hey? So, let's take a deep dive into the innards of Doritos Flamin' Hot Nacho Chips. 
Number one ingredient, corn, of course. Not much I can say about corn. It's natural, it's abundant, it's cultural, it's cheap. It's one of the most common ingredients in commercial foods because more corn is grown in the U.S. than any other crop besides soy. That happened thanks to Secretary of Agriculture Earl Butts, who, in the early 1970s, urged farmers to plant corn from fence row to fence row. His farm policies are credited with the rise of large agribusiness corporations and the rapid decline of the family farm. As the result of America's production of the super crop, corn and its derivatives became omnipresent in the American food supply. As I go along, I'll point out the Doritos ingredients that are indirectly or directly related to corn. Here's one more point. The source of the corn mentioned on the label is not listed. Is it the more expensive sweet corn, or is it the common dirt cheap dent corn, also known as field corn? My bet is on the latter. Next, number two to number four ingredients, vegetable oils. Dorito chips are fried in oil. Frito-Lay uses three different oils or a combination of them, sunflower oil, corn oil, and canola oil. All three of these oils are highly processed involving extraction with hazardous solvents like hexane, which is a relative of gasoline, and multiple purification stages. The corn oil is the second corn-related ingredient. Number five ingredient, maltodextrin. And in parentheses, it says made from corn to make it quite obvious. Maltodextrins are a mixture of semi-sweet substances that result from the incomplete chemical breakdown of starch, in this case cornstarch, by acid or enzymes. These highly processed products are used as bulking agents and can impart a mild to moderate sweetness to foods. Maltodextrin is not a pure substance, but is actually a complex mixture of dozens of related substances. I would guess that maltodextrins probably would make the top 10 list of industrial food additives, since you see them everywhere. Maltodextrins can be made from any plant starch. In this case, Frito-Lay was kind enough to tell us that in Doritos, the maltodextrins come from corn. So this is the third corn-related ingredient. Number six ingredient, salt. Here's another very common substance found in processed and fast foods. It also shows up as ingredients number 10 and number 22. Because it's so ubiquitous, most people don't give a second thought to salt and where it comes from. It actually goes through some significant processing to wind up in your salt shaker. When I think of salt, I generally think of the Morton Company, which utilizes three methods to isolate and refine the product. Method number one is the solar evaporation method, which works well in warm climates. Here it is. Salt water is collected in shallow ponds. The water is allowed to naturally evaporate. At some point, the salt precipitates out. Finally, the salt is harvested. Method number two is the rock salt mining method, which gathers salt from underground. Salt may naturally collect in veins, like in a coal mine, uh, or it might be in domes in the mine. Many of these mines are located along the Gulf of Mexico. 
Salt is mined by the room and pillar method, whereby only some of the salt is removed, leaving behind salt pillars for roof support. Usually 45 to 65 percent of the salt gets removed. Large machines do most of the work and explosives are used to drop down rock salt for collection. After removal from the mine, the crude salt is screened, stored, and later packaged. The third technique is the vacuum evaporation method, which utilizes commercial evaporators called vacuum pans. This method produces the highest quality salt. Initially, water is pumped down a well to a salt deposit. The water dissolves salt and then is pumped back to the surface through another well and then stored in a tank. The salt water or brine is then pumped into a series of heated vacuum pans where the water is stripped off at low pressure to produce salt crystals. You're probably waiting for me to say something about corn at this point, but salt has no connection to corn that I'm aware of. Number seven ingredient, whey. When milk is curdled to produce cheese, the milk solids are separated to be used in the cheese-making process. The leftover liquid is called whey, W-H-E-Y. In the early days of cheese production in the U.S., this liquid was considered a waste product and was dumped into rivers and streams. That practice caused environmental damage. Eventually, the federal government prohibited the disposal of whey in that way, so cheese manufacturers had to find other things to do with it. Initially, it was used as a filler in commercial foods. Later, machines were invented, which could quickly and cheaply dry the whey liquid to produce whey powder and whey protein concentrate, which triggered a lucrative new industry, health food supplements particularly for bodybuilders. Today, whey has various uses as a texturizer, processing aid, and nutritional extender. Number eight to number 11 ingredients, cheddar cheese. When cheese is used in any processed food, invariably you will see four ingredients listed. Milk, cheese cultures, salt, and enzymes. Of course, the milk provides a source of proteins and fat that wind up in the cheese. The cheese cultures typically include lactobacillus, a bacterium that produces lactic acid from milk sugar, that is lactose. The culture is produced under artificial conditions. Individual cultures give cheese its distinctive flavor, such as cheddar. Then there are enzymes like renin, obtained from rennet, a mixture found in the stomachs of ruminant animals. Rennet causes milk to curdle in the low pH environment of the lactic acid to produce milk solids or curds. Lastly, salt is one of the key cheesemaking ingredients because it adds flavor, helps to prepare the cheese for aging, serves as a preservative, and aids in the drying of the curds by controlling moisture and causing the curds to shrink. Hey, there is a corn connection here. Bacterial cultures likely use dextrose as a food source for the bacteria, and most dextrose in the United States comes from corn. Number 12 ingredient, buttermilk. 
Most everyone knows what buttermilk is. Traditionally, it can be made naturally in warm climates. However, in the processed food industry, it's derived from the souring of milk using an acidifying agent like vinegar. Buttermilk has a very pronounced tangy taste. Besides adding flavor, it helps keep baked goods moist and light. In the case of the Dorito chips, it probably serves as a flavoring agent. Number 13 ingredient, monosodium glutamate. Known colloquially as MSG, this chemical is a flavoring agent. It's the main ingredient in the seasoning called Accent. The purpose of MSG is to boost the savory or umami flavor of foods. As a food ingredient, it has been around for over 100 years. However, it has been very controversial due to its prevalent use in the Chinese takeout industry. Some people claim adverse neurological reactions to the consumption of MSG. However, there have not been any scientific studies to irrefutably prove that medical problems arise from eating foods with MSG. This ingredient is made by industrial fermentation. Bacteria cultured with ammonia and carbohydrates from sweet foods like sugar beets and sugar cane excrete amino acids into a broth from which the MSG is isolated. Number 14 to number 17 ingredients. Artificial colors. Food manufacturers have two primary concerns for their products. Do they taste good and do they look good? That's appetite appeal and eye appeal. Coloring agents have been used in the food industry since the advent of packaged and canned foods back in the 19th century. Sometimes they were used to enhance a natural color, sometimes to fool people, and sometimes to satisfy an expectation. There are four artificial colors used in the Flamin' Hot Nacho Chips. Red 40 Lake, Yellow 6 Lake, Yellow 6, and Yellow 5. With three of the four colors, it appears that yellow is really essential. When you think about it, consumers want to see their corn snacks looking yellow, like natural corn or some shade related to yellow. With the red color thrown in, the final color appears on the orange side of yellow. That's okay, because these chips are flaming hot, and that should conjure up the image of an orange flame. These artificial colors have a very colorful history unintended. They were originally synthesized from chemicals found in coal tar in the late 1800s. That's a byproduct of the coal industry. Sometimes these colorants are called coal tar dyes. Sound appetizing? From 1850 to 1900, chemists were looking for cheap, easily made dyes to replace natural ones. Natural dyes were hard to come by, expensive, and the sourcing was unpredictable. If artificial dyes could be created in a laboratory, then scaled up in a factory, food companies would no longer have a need for the natural ones, and they could save a bunch of money. Plus, the artificial dyes were stable, could be mass-produced, and stored almost indefinitely. The U.S. Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906 reduced the permitted list of artificial dyes from a whopping, listen to this, 700 in 
hundred chemicals down to seven. With improvements in chemical analysis and purification in the 20th century, the list of approved food dyes once again began to grow. After World War II, food companies started to use massive amounts of artificial dyes. However, by the 1950s, scientists were discovering that many food dyes caused health problems. The FDA started looking into the issue and began banning some of the artificial dyes. For example, Orange 1 was found to cause liver cancer. It was banned in 1966. Yellow, number 1 and number 2, were banned in 1960 due to causing intestinal lesions. Over the decades, numerous food dyes have been banned and removed from the marketplace. But by 2016, there were seven dyes left that were certified for use by the food industry. Sometimes on labels, you'll see colors listed with the moniker FDNC, as in FDNC Yellow 6. The FDNC stands for Food, Drug, and Cosmetic, and shows that the FDA has certified that colorant for use in those industries. Note that the approved artificial food colors tend to have higher numbers since their predecessors have been banned. So when you see yellow 5, for example, there may have been yellow 1, 2, 3, and 4 that didn't survive as safe ingredients and got delisted. According to the book by Christine Farlow entitled Food Additives, A Shopper's Guide to What's Safe and What's Not, yellow 6 causes tumors in lab animals. There are studies that indicate this dye causes hyperactivity in children. It's important to note that regulatory agencies around the world do not all agree with one another regarding the safety of food dyes. So, in the case of Yellow 6, take note that it is banned in Norway and Austria. The European Union requires a warning notice on food packages, but of course it's just fine to feed it to American kids. Two of the food colorings are called lakes. So that needs some explanation. A lake in chemistry terms refers to a pigment prepared by precipitating a soluble colorant, like an artificial food coloring, with a metal compound containing aluminum or calcium or strontium to give a solid coloring agent that can be used as a dry product, that is a powder. On a positive note, Many food companies are switching over to natural food colorings derived from fruits, vegetables, and spices. Examples include turmeric, which gives you yellow-orange type color, beets, a red color, and spirulina, a green to blue colors. Hopefully, the Frito-Lay company will get with the times eventually. Ingredient number 18, natural flavors. And number 19, artificial flavors. Here are probably the most important ingredients in the tortilla chips. The flavors create the cravings. Let's start with natural flavors. Note the lack of specificity here. Our government, in its questionable wisdom, does not require food companies to reveal which natural flavors are used. So, as regards the consumer, these ingredients are a mystery. According to the government definition, 
A natural flavor is a substance derived directly from a plant or animal or from the roasting, heating, or fermentation of said animal or plant. The source can be pretty much anything. Fruits, veggies, herbs, spices, leaves, roots, bark, meat, eggs, and dairy products, among others. Since a company does not have to reveal the actual source of the natural flavor, any consumers with allergies, for example to dairy, or consumers who are vegans, won't know that they are consuming ingredients that they should be avoiding. From the perspective of the food manufacturer, they want to protect their formula by revealing as little information as possible about the flavors. Now, don't confuse the word natural with healthy or unprocessed. Many natural flavors are heavily processed using extraction methods involving hazardous solvents. What about artificial flavors? This generic term could represent a zillion substances that the FDA has approved for use in foods. The word artificial, of course, means that the additive has been synthetically made in a factory. According to the author, Melanie Warner, who wrote Pandora's Lunchbox, over half of the roughly 5,000 additives allowed in food are flavorings. There is quite a science in creating artificial flavors. Some of them are used to mimic real foods, like roast chicken type flavor, or a grilled flavor, or a fruity flavor. Also, artificial flavors may have no taste on their own, but they enhance flavors like sweet or savory. There are some big companies making these substances. To name a few, there is International Flavors and Fragrances, Fermanic, Simrise, Innova, and Sentient. You probably haven't heard of any of them since they operate in the background and only sell their products to the processed food companies. But this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Here is what Mark Schatzker, the author of The Dorito Effect, has to say on the subject of flavors. Quote, For half a century, we've been making the stuff people should eat. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, unprocessed meats. Incredibly less delicious. Meanwhile, we've been making the food people shouldn't eat, chips, fast food, soft drinks, crackers, taste ever more exciting. In nature, there is an intimate connection between flavor and nutrition. Synthetic flavor technology not only breaks that connection, it also confounds it. End quote. Number 20 to number 23 ingredients. Romano cheese. So this is just another cheese product with the same ingredients that were listed for the cheddar cheese. So I have nothing new to add here. Number 24 ingredient, onion powder. Onions are good. This is a lightly industrialized ingredient, so it gets a thumbs up. Number 25 ingredient, citric acid. Although found in nature, citric acid as a food ingredient is usually manufactured in a chemical plant using complicated industrial processes and hazardous chemicals. This additive shows up in many, many products. In cheese sauces, it is probably used as a mild acid to provide some tartness. In baked goods, it creates a slightly acidic environment for yeast to ferment more effectively, thus decreasing the time it takes the dough to rise. In meats, it assists in curing. It can help remove off flavors. 
And the Doritos, I would guess that the citric acid provides some tartness or zip to the chips. Finally, there's another corn connection here. Citric acid can be manufactured using a fermentation process involving a black mold, Aspergillus niger. The feed source for the mold is dextrose, derived from cornstarch. Number 26 ingredient, spices. Spices are good ingredients, but again, note that there is no specificity here. What spices are being used? Frito-Lay doesn't have to say. Number 27 ingredient, dextrose. This is a very common ingredient in commercial foods, also known as glucose. Dextrose is a very industrial food ingredient typically sourced from corn. There's corn again. To briefly describe how it's made, cornstarch is separated from corn kernels, and then a liquid mixture of the cornstarch is broken down by acid or enzymes or a combination of the two at elevated temperatures and pressures until a water solution of dextrose is formed. Then the water is removed to give crystalline dextrose a white powder. The whole process is done in a factory with pipes, pumps, vats, heaters, and chemical supply lines. The main function of dextrose is to serve as a sweetener. Number 28 ingredient, tomato powder. This is a fine ingredient. I think it helps provide the reddish coloring on the Dorito chips. Thumbs up for tomato powder. Number 29 ingredient, potassium chloride. This natural substance may be used as a flavor enhancer, flavoring agent, nutrient supplement, pH control agent, or as a stabilizer or thickener. Sometimes it's used to replace salt, sodium chloride, to lower the sodium content in a product. In the Doritos, it probably serves as a flavor enhancer. Number 30 ingredient, whey protein concentrate. When the liquid whey is collected as a byproduct of cheese or yogurt production, it undergoes several processing steps to increase its protein content. After a sufficient protein concentration is achieved, the liquid can be dried to form whey concentrate powder that consists of up to 80% protein by weight. The remaining 20% of the whey concentrate powder contains carbohydrates and fats. It's a bit of a mystery why whey protein concentrate is used in the Doritos chips. It may provide an enhancement of taste and color in the frying process, but that's only a guess. Number 31 ingredient, lactose. The addition of this ingredient is somewhat odd since lactose is already present in the cheeses and the whey ingredients. It's also called milk sugar due to its slight sweetness. This substance is isolated from whey liquid. As an additive, it's used as a culture medium, a humectant, that's something that retains moisture, and a nutrient. My best guess as to why lactose is in Doritos is it serves as another flavoring agent. Number 32 ingredient, lactic acid. Like citric, it's a weak acid and provides some tartness. Although natural, the commercial product is produced in a factory via a complicated industrial process which starts with cornstarch. There's corn again. It may be present in the Doritos to preserve flavor. Number 33 ingredient, sodium caseinate. The word caseinate comes from casein. When you see the word casein, think milk. 
Casein is one of the two main proteins in milk. The other is whey. Casein is the less soluble protein, and some people find it hard to digest, causing tummy woes. Whey is a soluble protein, easier to digest, unless you are lactose intolerant. When milk is acidified, the casein precipitates or forms a solid. If that material is neutralized with sodium hydroxide, sodium caseinate forms, which is a water-soluble substance. In the Doritos, it probably functions as an emulsifying stabilizer to keep fat from precipitating out. Number 34 ingredient, sugar. No explanation needed here. And we know that many snacks have both sweet and salty taste to make them more appealing. Number 35, garlic powder. Here's another natural flavor additive. Thumbs up. Number 36, ingredient skim milk. Skim milk is fat-free, but I have no idea why it is an ingredient in the Doritos, particularly since the corn is fried in a vat of oil. If any listeners know why skim milk is used, please let me know. Number 37 and number 38 ingredients, red and green bell pepper powder. Here are two more natural flavors. Thumbs up for these. Number 39, milk protein concentrate. From Wikipedia, milk protein concentrate, just known as MPC, is any complete milk protein product that is 40% or more protein by weight. To make milk protein concentrate, whole milk is first separated into cream and skim milk. The skim milk is then fractionated using ultrafiltration to make a skim concentrate that is lactose reduced. This process separates milk components according to their molecular size. Milk then passes through a membrane that allows some of the lactose, minerals, and water to cross through. The proteins, lactose, and minerals that do not pass through the membrane are then spray-dried to form a powder. MPC, as an ingredient, can make products more heat-stable, and it can provide solubility and dispersibility. This solubility makes MPCs beneficial in dairy-based mixes. The lactose and proteins in MPC undergo malleard browning, resulting in an appealing color for bakery products. The last two uses may be the reason it is found in Doritos. Because MPC has virtually no taste, it allows the other flavors of a food to fully develop. Ingredients number 40 and number 41. They are disodium anosinate and disodium guanylate. These are the last ones. They, they are more flavor chemicals. Uh, these additives are flavor enhancers. Flavor enhancers have little taste of their own, but they accentuate the natural flavors of foods. These chemicals were first isolated in Japan in 1913 from fish. Food manufacturers often use them in combination with MSG because there is a synergistic effect. These additives are considered safe, but both of them do get converted to uric acid in the body, so people suffering from gout should watch out. Well, food eaters, that's it for the deconstruction of the flaming Hot Nacho Chips. Now I want to summarize by making some general observations. Number one. I can't argue the fact that Doritos are an exceptional snack. They are crunchy, have eye appeal, smell great, taste enticing, are finger looking good, and they have funny commercials. But are Doritos real food, or is it the best fake food that science and technology can offer? I contend the second statement is true. 
Out of the 41 ingredients, 18 of them, or 44%, are highly processed. Only 10 of the 41, or 24%, can be described as unprocessed or lightly processed. So I would say that only a quarter of the ingredients in this Doritos product are fit for consumption. Number two. Recall that I said that junk food relies significantly on commodity crops like corn and soy. So think cheap and very processed. Out of the 41 ingredients, six of them are directly or indirectly derived from corn or its derivatives. That's 15% of the total. Start looking at food labels and you'll see that either corn or soy or both account for a significant number of ingredients. Why is that? These commodity crops fuel the American economy. They are in such abundant supply that food refiners feel compelled to constantly find new uses for them. Take my word for it. I worked in that industry for over 20 years. Number three, another highly influential industry in processed food manufacturing is dairy for the same reason mentioned above. There is a, an abundance of milk in the food supply. Since milk consumption has dropped in recent decades, the milk has been redirected towards making cheese and its byproducts like whey and protein concentrates. Just look at the supplement industry and notice how many products contain whey or its derivatives. Out of the 41 ingredients, 11 of them, or 27%, are milk-related. Number four. What draws many people to snacks like Doritos is the particular combination of salt, oil, and sugar. This is no accident. It's part of the taste appeal and the desire on the part of food manufacturers to get consumers hooked so they will keep buying the product. There is a substantial amount of psychology and science that goes into selecting the best combinations of these SOS ingredients. Let's evaluate the Flamin' Hot Doritos. First, the salt. The salt shows up only once on the label, but the sodium uh, appears in four other ingredients. The sodium content is 270 milligrams in 12 chips. Now get real, do you only eat 12 chips at a sitting? Doubling that number would be more reasonable. So then you would be getting 540 milligrams, which is roughly 23% of the daily allowance. Then there's the oil. Doritos are fried in sunflower, corn, and canola oils. There are 7 grams of fat or oil in a 1-ounce serving. That's 28 grams. That calculates to 25% fat. Third, and lastly, the sugar. Most people wouldn't be thinking about sweetness uh, when it comes to Doritos, but we know that they have dextrose and sugar in them. There is one gram of sugars per one ounce serving. That amounts to 3.6%. That's not very high, but you still have to wonder why tortilla chips need to have a sweet note in them. Number five. Here is something that's surprising. This variety of Doritos is called Flamin' Hot, so you would think that it would have some hot peppers in it, maybe jalapeno or habanero, but there aren't any in the ingredient list. Whatever hotness is in these chips comes from the added spices, but they are not individually listed on the label. Maybe they just use a whopping dose of cayenne pepper, but who knows?
Well, that's my up-close examination of one variety of Doritos tortilla chips. Note that today there are 21 varieties on grocery store shelves, and I'm sure that there are more in development. Truly, a whole book could be devoted just to breaking down this one snack. Before closing, I want to mention an interesting historical docudrama available for streaming on the Hulu channel. The title is The Food That Built America. I think that it was originally a four-part history channel series. The program explores the startups of a handful of iconic food companies from the late 1800s to the middle 1900s. Such names as Kellogg's, Post, Coca-Cola, Hershey, Mars, Birdseye, McDonald's, and Kentucky Fried Chicken. Companies that came to dominate the commercial food industry in America. I'm not sure how accurate the history is, but the shows are certainly entertaining. To all the listeners in podcast land, old and new, I appreciate you tuning in. If you have a little more time, I'd greatly appreciate a five-star rating at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's at www.podbean.com or just by Googling Food Labels Revealed. And, of course, you can always listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by downloading a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Google Play. If you have a question or comment on anything about food ingredients or this podcast or just want to say hello, then drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's all one string, foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. Lastly, I have a Facebook page that is an adjunct to the podcast. Several times a week, I post a news item related to food ingredients, processed foods, and food trends. Just search in Facebook under Food Labels Revealed Podcast. Please give it a like when you get a chance. For next month's show, I'll turn my attention to some of the processed foods pitched to children. Until later, remember this. If you want to eat well, and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is called Displaced Memories, composed by David Hillowitz. <laughs>